I have been loving this series. Um, I think Jason's done an incredible job. I don't know why I have my mask. <laughs> incredible job with encouraging us in practicing the way of Jesus for the sake of the world. And today I want to talk about practicing the way of Jesus together. Okay, one of the big uh, points that Jason's been trying to get across is that we don't need to try harder, but we need to train. And so he was saying if, if, we, if we want to go and run a marathon, we can't just try as hard as we can to run this marathon, okay? As hard as, as much as you want to try, you're going to get out there on the road and your legs are going to get tired and your body's going to get exhausted because you're not strong enough and you will not make it, okay? Period. You have to train, you have to put practices in place, you have to put um, disciplines in place in order to train your body, to make your body stronger, to get fitter, to um, install stamina in your body in order to actually finish that and be able to run it. And it's the same in our Christian life. Okay, we need to put certain practices in place, disciplines in place, in order to strengthen our spiritual muscles so that we can grow, so that we can run this race well, so that we can become more like Jesus. So we don't need to try harder, we need to train. And what am I saying? <laughs> Today, sorry, I want to point out that athletes don't train alone. Okay, even, even if they're in an individual um, sport, if it's running, we have running clubs. Okay, they don't, they're not playing a match together, but they're still training together because it's hard to do alone. Okay, when you're needing to get up at 5 a.m. in the morning and it's the middle of winter and it's raining and it's just you, yourself, and I, you're not going to get up at 5 o'clock. You're going to talk yourself out of it. But if you know that there's somebody, at least one person waiting for you, you're going to get up because you don't want to disappoint them, because you want to help them to achieve their goal. And so that's the same in our Christian life. We can keep trying alone or we can train in a team. Okay, it's way harder to grow as a Christian alone. It is way more, it's way easier, it's encouraging, it's helpful when you're in a team that's pushing you. When you're the only one trying to get this right, we're just trying to be better people, we're trying to be more kind, um, but it's just yourself, you're going to easily let yourself off the hook. But when you have a group of people around you, encouraging you, strengthening you, challenging you, pushing you, holding you accountable, you are going to grow. So you can keep trying alone, or you can train in a team. There's a study, a study by the Association for Training and Development found that you are 65% more likely to meet a goal after committing to one other person. So if you just commit to one other person, you're 65%, you've got a 65% better chance of achieving your goal. Then if you also establish an ongoing partnership, your chances increase to 95%. So you've got a 95% chance of achieving your goal, of if you're wanting to become more like Jesus, if you're wanting to mature, to grow as a Christian, if you have a weekly set structure with people in place, you have a 95% chance of actually achieving that goal. That's huge. I want to read, I'm actually reading this book at the moment by John um, Maxwell, and it's called Change Your World. And he has a quote by Chuck Swindle, and I want to read it to you. I thought it was really good. It says, nobody is a whole chain, each one is a link. But take away one link and the chain is broken. Nobody is a whole team, each one is a player. But take away one player and the game is forfeited. 
No one, nobody is a whole orchestra. Each one is a musician. But take away one musician and the symphony is incomplete. You guessed it, we need each other. You need someone and someone needs you. Isolated islands were not. To make this thing called life work, we gotta lean and support, relate and respond, give and take, confess and forgive, reach out and embrace, and release and rely. Since no one of us is whole, is a whole, independent, self-sufficient, superable, capable, all-powerful hotshot, let's quit acting like we are. Life's lonely enough without our playing that silly role. The game is over, let's link up. Okay, so I love where he says life's lonely enough. Let's, let's stop trying to pretend we can do it all alone. Let's actually just connect with people. And so today I wanna help you to link up you can keep trying alone, or you can join a group and you can train in a team. So we're talking about practicing the way of Jesus together. And we call this community. Okay, community is, I forgot to start my clock. Okay. Just gather where I am, okay. Um, community is a spiritual practice, okay? And by community, I just mean meaningful relationships life-giving relationships. It's a group of people who love Jesus, who are willing to be real and to work through fights or arguments, to work through uncomfortable, uncomfortableness, um, and are willing to learn and to grow together, to learn how to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. But the goal is not community. Okay? Community isn't our goal. Our goal is transformation. So we, we want to change. We want to become more like Jesus. But community is a tool. It's a practice. It's a discipline that helps us to get to where we want to be. And um, kind of the key verse that we've been looking at, or the key scriptures that we've been looking at this, through this um, series has been Romans 12. And I just want to go back to it um, again today. And it says in Romans 12, verse 1, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship God. So how do we worship God? Because that is our purpose in life. Our purpose is to bring honor and glory to God, to worship him. How do we do that? By the way that we live, by the way that the choices that we make, by the lifestyle that we, that we live. That's how we worship God. It goes on in verse 2 to say, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, God's goal for us, his will for us is transformation. God loves us too much to leave us the way that we are. He has a better future for us. He has more for us, but it needs, it takes changing. He wants to change us into people of love that are gonna um, thrive in marriages, that are gonna thrive in relationships, that are gonna be um, life-giving presence in, in your job, in your workplace, in your schools. Okay, God has so much more for us and he doesn't wanna leave us the way he is. The goal is transformation. And how do we do that? By changing the way we think, okay? My first point today is we become what we see and hear all the time. So we become what we hear and see all the time. So if we want to change the way we think, then we need to change what we're hearing and seeing all the time. And if we want to change to become more like Christ, 
then we start with our spiritual practices. So that's the first part, is our personal, personal spiritual practices, reading God's word. Are we filling our minds with the truth? Um, as, we're cha- as we're filling our minds with God's word, God's truth, it's going to change the way we think. And we're going to be transformed into Christ-likeness. As we're spending time in God's presence, in worship to him, as we're practicing silence and solitude and taking Sabbaths to to be with God and to hear from God, we're going to start um, understanding what our identity is in God. And it's going to shift how we think. It's going to change us into the people that we're meant to be. And we're going to be confident. We're going to let go of insecurities because we're going to be filling our minds, changing the way we think with God's truth. And the second part of that is the people that we surround ourselves with. Who, who are we hearing and seeing all the time? What are the voices that are in our minds? So we need to have our spiritual, our personal spiritual practices, but then we need to be surrounding ourselves with the right people, with the right voices that are speaking into our lives. See, when, when I first got saved, I got saved when I was in America, and um, I was in, a, in an environment where it was every three months a new set of people would come because I lived on a ski resort. I know, tough life. But <laughs> there was, every three months we would have a new set of people come and, and it was young, young, um, young adults that were studying that would t- come during their summer break. And so they were just there for a party for three months. So every three months it was a new set of people just coming to have experiences and live life a little and enjoy some stuff. And so that was the environment I was constantly around. And so I lived in that space of just one big party and just um, going for the next adventure and the next experience, but except I lived there permanently. So it wasn't just a three month break, it was two years of my life. And when I eventually had this incredible experience with God and I just knew that God is real and I knew that this is, this is, I need to pursue a relationship with him, I realized that this environment was not gonna help me. The friends that I was making were not gonna help me to become more like Jesus. And so I had to make a clean break so I actually applied to um, an organization called YWAM. They, um, it's a missions organization that's worldwide, and they, they offer like a dance school, and I'd been a dancer in school, so um, I applied for, for a summer of dance school, and I got in, and it was like, <laughs> it was quite a shock to the system, going from that kind of environment straight into this clean, just beautiful environment with these amazing people. Um, and it, I think it was the hardest time of my life ever because I had to, I was forced into this new environment where it was challenging the way that I was thinking. It was changing who I was. I was being exposed to um, the word every day. Like it was quite an intense program where we would just sit in God's presence. We would listen to him. We learned about God's identity in God. And it shifted everything in a very short amount of time. And so I went from living one way to a completely different way because I had this intensive for three months. And obviously in our lives, we can't always do that. We can't just separate from reality for three months and, you know, kind of build into our identity. But there are choices that we can make. There are certain friendships that maybe we do need to let go of for a season. And there are other friendships that we maybe need to push into for a season so that we can shift and change the way that we think. And even when I got back to to Cape Town, I knew that I needed to get into relationships straight away. And so I joined a church, um, View Church in Tableview at that time, and I started serving straight away. I got into a team to meet people. I started serving at Kids Church. Um, I joined a life group, got into a great environment so that I I could grow, so that I could learn to think the way that God wanted me to think. And 
And the, here I am today, okay, growing from strength to strength, not because of any, not because of just what I've done, but because of the people that I've surrounded myself with. So we become what we hear and see all the time. And it's not just about having friends. Someone's saying we need to, today's, today's point is not like you need to get good friends that you can have fun with in life. Yes, that's part of it. But it's about surrounding yourself with the right people, people that are on the same journey as you. So you might be sitting here thinking, I've got my peeps, I've got my group, they're amazing, we do life together, we surf together, or we do this together. But are they helping shape you? Are they helping you to become more like Jesus? See, the goal is not community, the goal is transformation. And we've got some great, um, great ways at church for you to get into the right environments. We, as a church, we set the structures, we give the environments, we make it easy, we want to make it as easy as possible for you to get connected, but you need to take that step in to connect with people. You need to put yourself out there and take hold of the, the, the things that the church are offering. So we have life groups, or we've got small groups, which part of that is a life group, um, where you can join, join a group of people that are just wanting to, to learn, wanting to practice the way of Jesus together. If you're at a stage of life where maybe you're struggling in your marriage or you're considering divorce or you are divorced, we've got breakthrough groups like Divorce Care, where it's people that are on the same page as you, where you don't have to do this alone. You don't have to try and get through the season alone. You can actually come and sit with people that are in the same place and get breakthrough, get victory in an area together. If you're struggling, don't struggle with drug addiction alone or any sort of addiction. There's groups that you can come together and you can fight it with somebody else. If you're wanting to understand God's word more and dig into God's word, we've got groups that are studying through books of the Bible where you can get into a group. Um, there's hard questions group. If you've got tough questions about Christianity, there's a group that discusses that every week. So don't, don't be Googling alone at home. Get into a group and figure it out together. Our life group at the moment, we have a great life group. Um, at the moment, we're actually working through the practice of Sabbath together, and it's been amazing. So we, we've been watching some really great content. Each week, we're watching the video, um, and then we're getting together, and we're discussing, discussing what stood out to us in the content, and then we're actually practicing it on the weekend. And then we're coming back and giving feedback. How did that go? How can we? And um, we've seen such, such breakthrough in our group, in our lives personally. Reese and I have honestly, like, I think yesterday was probably one of the best Sabbaths we've had. It was great. <laughs> even, with, even with having to preach today, um, we made that effort to, like, no, I'm going to shut off and let God do what he can do. I'm going to take this time today. And it's, it's helped us to grow. It's helped our families come together. Um, something that we shared in one of the life groups that we do, there's three couples now that have started doing it with their families because they heard, oh, it's working for us, and they've started putting that into place with their families. And the one um, lady said to me the other day, like, she's had conversations with her kids that she's never had before. Like, they're hearing things of what's going on at school. They're actually starting, even her son is starting to share feelings about stuff that's happening at school where they didn't have that before. And so they're actually seeing life change in their families and it's because we're together, we're doing it together, we're discussing, we're sharing um, victories that we've had, we're sharing things that have helped us, and it's encouraging each other. 
And so, yeah, I really just want to encourage you, if you do one thing after today, just sign up for a group. Get connected somehow today. So we can keep trying alone, or we can train together. Ooh. Okay, my second point is we are family. Okay, we're not just friends coming together. We're actually family. The Bible talks about, um, about Christians as the family of God, of, as being brothers and sisters in Christ. Earlier in chapter 8 of Romans, um, Paul talks about us being adopted into God's family and how he's adopted us into his family so we become sons and daughters of God with Jesus being the eldest, Jesus being the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. And so some of you might know we've actually just adopted a little boy recently. We actually got his official paper, well, we got our adoption order granted the other day. So Luca is officially our child. We're just waiting for the registration um, process to go through. But when they send your registration papers, um, the, the page in the front actually says, um, this child is now yours as if born to you. And so he becomes our child, like, like the same as Riley, the same as Kai. But Luca can't come to us and say, I love this idea of you being my parents, but I, I'm, I like being a single child. Like, I want to be a single child. <laughs> And be like, sorry, my boy, this is the family you were born into, okay? You have a brother and a sister, whether you like it or not. You're adopted into the family, not just into us. And that's the same with Christians, okay? We're adopted into a family. We have brothers and sisters in Christ. We can't go to God and say, God, I love this. Like, I want to be your child, love this relationship, but it's just a personal thing. Like, it's me and you, and I want to just walk this Christian life with you. Like, I'll come to church, get inspired, and then by myself, me and you will figure this out. No, you were adopted into a family. Okay, we have a responsibility to each other. We're part of a family. We're part of the kingdom of God. And then Paul actually takes us further. If we carry on reading in Romans, um, he, he, he compares this family of God to an actual body, to the body of Christ. He says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourself by the faith God has given you. So have humility. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. So we're part of a body. Now, my hand can't say, yeah, this is cool. I know I'm, I'm part of you, but I'm just going to do my own thing over here. Like, and I must just carry on over here. No, this, we need to work together. Yeah. Each part of our body needs to function yeah. in its place. As it's, as it's been given the ability, it needs to function in its place because it belongs to the rest of the body. And so we are the body of Christ, and we belong to each other. We need to work together. Verse 6 says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, then serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. 
So God has give, blessed each one of us with different gifts. And the Bible says that we need to bring those gifts to, to the house to serve each other with them. We don't want to approach the, this kind of relationship or this, this community with a sense of, with a consumer mindset. Okay, it's not always about what's in this for me. What am I going to get out of this? Yes, you are going to get something out of it. Okay, you are going to grow. You are going to achieve your goal if you come along with people. You are going to have support, but you've also got something to bring. You've got something to give. God's placed a gift, an ability, something inside of you where you can add value to the body of Christ. You can add value to the people around you. So God has brought us together in this family, in this church, to bless each other with what he's placed inside of us. So whatever you've been given, use that. Bring that to the table. And then Paul goes on to actually paint a picture of, of what community looks like. And I just want to read through it very quickly. I know it's a lot, but I'm just going to go through it quickly. And from chapter 9, he says, Don't pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. Don't be fake. Like just love people. And if you don't love people, ask God to help you to love people. It says, and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. So bring your gifts, bring what you have and serve God with enthusiasm. Like we get to do this. It's a privilege to serve God's church. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Okay, pray for each other. Pray for one another. Pray for those in your serving teams or those in your small groups. Rejoice in our confidence. I read that. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. So when people are struggling, help them. When people are needing something, pray for them, support them. Um, open your homes. Be hospitable. Invite people around on a Sunday after church. Okay, that's, we try and do that. That's kind of our our day to just have whoever over so we kind of leave Sundays over open to just invite somebody around after church or to have people in our homes because we want our homes to be a place where people can come and just be refreshed and be um, be encouraged so be hospitable bless those who persecute you don't curse them pray that God would bless them be happy with those who are happy weep with those who weep when people in your groups or people that you know in church are going through something like, buy them flowers, bring meals to people's homes. We always encourage, when you're in a group, we encourage our people, when, when somebody's going through something, get the life group on a roster and provide meals for them so that at least they don't have to think about what they need to cook. Okay, support those that are having a hard time. And when somebody's celebrating something, let's not be jealous, let's encourage them, let's celebrate their wins and their victories. It says, live in harmony with each other. Do not be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. The Bible's quite like direct. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay. Never pay back evil for more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Yeah. So that's just a picture of what community can look like if we're willing to bring our part to the family. It's messy and it's risky but it's necessary if we want to grow. Yeah. We don't mature by accident. Yeah. It's when we intentionally place ourselves in relationships, we stick it out, we're intentional about it, that's when we grow. Okay, how many people do we know in their 60s and their 70s 
who are still struggling with the same insecurities that they did when they were 16. We're not just going to grow. We're not just going to mature just because we get older. We have to intentionally place ourselves in the right environment, in the right soil that produces growth. So if we want to become more like Jesus, then we need to place ourselves in community. Then my third point is we will reap what we sow. So whatever you're going to put in, that's what you're going to get out. Galatians 6, 7 to 10 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to, the, to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Okay, so we're going to reap what we sow. That's a, a biblical principle in God's word, that whatever you're putting in, you're going to get that out. So if we're only sowing, if we're not sowing into relationships, when, we're, when we really need those relationships, they're not going to be there. Because we haven't given, we haven't invested, we haven't put in the work. But when we're putting in the work, when we're investing, we are going to reap what we need out of it. So we don't go into it with a consumer um, ideal of like, what can I get out of this? No, whatever you want to get out, put that in. Whatever you're wanting out of a relationship, give that to somebody else. And I know that a lot of people have been hurt. I've been hurt in relationships. I know probably all of us sitting here have been hurt in relationships. But the Bible also doesn't say you're going to reap where you sow. Sometimes you give and you give and you give and you feel like you get nothing out of it. But don't give up. Because it also says at the right time, you will reap a harvest. And maybe you'll reap that somewhere else. God sees what you're doing. God sees what you're giving. And if you just keep doing that, find somebody else to invest in. Try a different group. Um, find somebody where you can, and eventually you're going to find your people. You're going to find the people that are going to love and support you and give you back what you're putting in. But you're only going to reap whatever you're willing to sow. And so relationships take ownership. Okay, like I said, the church puts the structures in place, but you need to own it. You need to take, um, yeah, you need to take that step into owning that relationship. It takes intentionality. So we need to actually plan, like you're not going to drift into community. You're going to drift into isolation. But when we're intentional, so we take out our calendars and we book things in. So Reese and I do this, um, we have a, a day a week that we do a bit of planning for our family and we look at our calendar and we say, who, who are we going to invest in this week? Who are we going to see this week? And we actually put those people in our calendars and we, we message them and say, hey, what about dinner on this day? What about dinner? And we plan it intentionally. Because I know if we just leave it up to chance, the week's going to go past, and then another week's going to go past, and then a month's going to go past, and then six months is going to go past, and we haven't invested in anyone. We haven't connected with anyone. So we need to be intentional with our relationships. Then we need to be consistent. Okay, A runner can't just practice every now and then and then expect to be fit. They need to be consistent, and it's the same with us. We need to consistently be pushing into these relationships. Deep friendships take years to form. It's not a quick thing. This isn't a, I'm not telling you you get into a group tomorrow and in a month's time you're going to have these amazing friends that are just going to be around you all the time. No, it's going to take work and it's going to take consistency, but you will get to a place 
where you feel like you have people that you can be vulnerable with, where you can be open with them, if you are consistent. And then it takes vulnerability. Okay, I wanna to get to this last part, so I'm just gonna cut some stuff out here. Our deepest wounds come from relationships, but our greatest healings come from relationships. So, so it, it takes risk. You're gonna be vulnerable, then you're gonna put yourself out there, and there's a chance that you will be hurt. But our greatest healings come from those relationships where we are open and vulnerable. So it takes vulnerability, and then lastly, it just, it takes humility and grace. Okay, humility, there has to be humility. Okay, in order to connect with people, and there has to be grace. Um, Henry Nowen says, forgive people for not being God. And I think so often we hold people to such a standard because we are, we are human beings that, that were created for this relationship with God, and so we have this infinite need for, for something, but people can't fill that. So we just need to forgive them for not being God. Allow them to, to be human. And the... The win in this is that when we do that, we actually allow ourselves to be human too. We take off that pressure of holding ourselves to that same standard because when we hold ourselves to that standard, it just causes shame and it breaks relationships. So let's just forgive people for not being God. Let's allow, have grace for ourselves and for others. So whatever you're willing to put in is what you're gonna get out. Okay, so we, be we become what we hear and see all the time. We're a family, we're part of a body and then we'll reap what we sow. So it's only how much we're gonna put in, that's what we're gonna get out. And then, how do we do this? So, so where do we start? Okay, for, for some of us here, we're not, we're not gonna just jump into deep community tomorrow, okay, because we're still, we're still at the beginning phases. And there's, there's different levels to friendship, and I know we've shared this from stage before, there's the face-to-face, -face, which is the facts, so it's just the, the surface level, it's the, it's the starting point, it's where you start, it's what your opinions are, so you're meeting somebody, you're giving facts, oh, this is what I do for a job, this is, you know, this is um, how many kids I have, or this is where I'm studying, um, and then maybe you're giving your opinions on things as well. But that's the face-to-face, -face, that's the start. And the point is that we actually need to have relationships in all three of these phases, or all three of these levels. They're all important, and so we need this, but then the second level is the heart-to-heart. And that's where we start feel, sharing our feelings, okay? Not just what I, what I do, but who I am. Who am I? It's where we actually take the mask off and there's transparency. And transparency is just you allowing people to see certain parts of you, the parts that, that, that you're okay with them seeing, okay? Um, and this happens in our small groups. This is what we do um, week in and week out in small groups where we're, it's just a space to be real, to share our feelings, to share, um, yeah, just to grow together. And that's about eight to 10 people, so it's a group. But then there's another level, okay, and that's the back-to-back. The -back. That's the formation group. That's where you're truly formed, where, you, where there's deep things changing and shifting and happening. It's where we become vulnerable. Because I think there's a difference between transparency and vulnerability. Transparency is me from stage, uh, there's certain things I'll share with you, but there's certain things I won't. <laughs> I don't want you to see those parts of me because you'll think something different of me. But I do have two girls and I do have my husband that I'm willing to be vulnerable with. Not that I enjoy it, I hate it, but I'm willing to open up the parts that I don't want anyone to see. I'm willing to open it up to them because somebody needs to see that. Yeah. 
And so that's only two or three people. That's not a big group, but it's people. This, these are the people that, you, that you're walking life with, that you're doing life with, that you're um, getting together. And we're actually kind of experimenting with this at church at the moment, and we're, we've started forming formation groups. And that's just, it's a group of two or three people that get together um, weekly or bi-weekly, and it's very intentional. And we're allowing people to see um, yeah, see where we are, like the real things that are going on. And so I have a group with, with two girls. We get together every second week. So Reese gets together with the guys and we rotate. One stays home with the kids and the, other, the boys go out, then the girls go out and the guys stay home with the kids. And we've tried to make this really intentional. Um, and we've all been through some very hectic things in the last little while. And it's, we're actually able to walk with each other and support each other through it. And be real and open. I mean, one of our friends is going through something very hectic at the moment, and they're they're able to say, "I'm hating this." Like I'm not. Like they're able to. We're able to see their raw emotions uncensored. You know, where most people would be like, oh, "You can't say something like that." You can't. No, they can be like that. They can be real. They can be open, and we can help them through that. And we, so we've actually realized recently, we actually need to even make it more intentional. And so now, when we get together, we ask three questions. So what's something that you're loving at the moment or what's been amazing in the last two weeks? Then we celebrate together. Then we all share what's something that you're struggling with. Like what's hard at the moment? And we, we listen to each other and we encourage each other. And then the third question is, what's some, is there any sin that you need to confess? What's happening in your heart? Is there anything that you need to confess? And that's a tough question, but, if, but because we're creating the environment for it, we're actually able to see literally see those parts that nobody else can see. And we're actually able to say, sure, like, come, we want to help you overcome this. We want, we want to see victory in this. We want to see victory in this area. Because you can keep trying alone. You can keep trying to overcome those things alone. Or you can get in a team, get around people, and you can see victory. You can win with, with a group of people helping to draw you closer to God. And so my encouragement to you today is to, to think through these three, these three levels and to figure out where are you at. Okay, if, you, if you're not connected to anyone else, then start with the face-to-face. Just greet someone. Go into the cafe afterwards and just meet somebody. Just tell them your name, what you do, find out what they do. That's it. Just start somewhere. Okay, or join a connect, a, a, a serving team. Okay, join a team where you can just Greet people on a Sunday. Somebody else knows you're in this church. Somebody else knows your name, okay? That's your first step. I want to encourage you to get connected in a small way. Just take that first step. But if you've been connected for a while, then I want to encourage you to go to the heart-to-heart. Okay, join, join a small group. Get into a group of people where you can actually share, go beyond the surface level, where you can just take that next step into allowing people into your heart, into your home, into your family. And then if you've been around for a while and you've been in that phase and you've, you've been in life groups for quite a while and you know people and you, you're open to sharing, then I want to encourage you to go to the next level. Find two people or find one person even where you're willing to say, hey, let's, let's meet up even once a month or every so often and, and let's just be real. Let's just share, share what's really going on in our hearts. And so I want to pray, I want to pray for you today and I'm really trusting that God's going to give you the courage to take that next step. 
And if you have been hurt before in relationships, I just want to, yeah, I just want to pray for you and, and trust that God's going to help you to risk again, to take a chance again. Let's pray. God, I just thank you that you created us for community. You made us to, to be a part of a family, part of your, of your body, that, that you've put stuff in us that other people need, and you've put stuff in other people that we need. And so God, I just commit every person that's watching online or sitting here today, and I, I just ask God that you would help people to trust. God, help people to take a risk, to be vulnerable, to take their next step in relationship. God, I pray that you'd show us how we can't, we can't keep doing it alone. If we really, truly want to grow in our relationship with you, if we want to become more like you, then community is non-optional. We have to get into a group of people. But God, I know that it's scary for some people, or, or maybe it's just timing is just crazy. Then, then help us to prioritize our lives in such a way that it includes people. God, help us to take whatever our next step is into deeper community. So just commit everybody here to you. And God, I thank you for what you're going to do. And I'm excited to see how we grow together and how we, um, yeah, how we just become more like you as we take the step into community. In Jesus' name, amen.